Welcome to Calvary Community. It is Monday, Thursday, the night in which Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, the night of his arrest, and we're going to be reading together from God's Word. The disciples and Jesus gathered together for this Last Supper because it was the Passover. And they were sharing in the Passover meal. So we're going to begin by reading from the book of Psalms an account of God's provision for his people. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation. The Lord did miracles in the sight of our ancestors in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the waters stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of the rocky crags and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath against his wrath rose against Israel, for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for his people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have come here on this night to remember our Savior and the beginning of his passion. We give thanks to you for having had mercy upon us and providing for us the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, and through him, salvation and eternal life. So we worship and adore you. Amen. So tonight we're going to be focusing upon the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 26, the account of Jesus and his disciples and their activities on this evening. So I'm going to begin reading the Gospel according to St. Matthew 26 at verse 17. 
on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. Now, it had been a very eventful week for Jesus and for his disciples. It had begun with him having dinner at the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and it was during that meal that Mary anointed Jesus at Bethany with the very, very expensive perfume. And then there had been that triumphal entrance into Jerusalem on Sunday. Jesus had cleared the, the temple courts, and he had interrupted the temple sacrifices. Every day he had taught in the temple. The religious leaders had come to him, and they had many times pub publicly tested him, trying to trap him, asking him questions, some of them very difficult questions, trying to get him to say something for which they could bring charges against him. And Jesus also, with them, had asked questions and had participated in the verbal jousting. And then the day of the beginning of Passover had come. And that is the account of what we are reading. So I'm going to begin reading again in chapter 16 at verse 20. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. So as we're reading the scripture tonight, we're going to have several photographs that are going along with the story. And so, right now, I want you to look at this photograph of the most famous depiction of the Last Supper. It is the painting of Leonardo da Vinci, which is in Milan. Probably people's most favorite 
depiction of the Last Supper. The only problem is it probably didn't look like that at all. But we have another photograph of a wood carving, so it's a little bit difficult to see the details, but, but a wood carving of, how the, fo uh, of how, how the dinner would have actually looked. So Jesus was at the home of someone who was very wealthy, and Jesus had the dinner there. Scholars believe that most likely Jesus and the disciples were gathered around not one long straight table, as in Leonardo's painting, but instead around a triclinium because that was the way that the rich dined most of the time. It was the typical eating arrangement of those who were well off. And so you can see that this involves the tables being arranged in a U-shape. People didn't normally sit on stools or on chairs at the table. Instead, they reclined in such a setting, sometimes on couches. Here you see that the artist has chosen to have them reclining on the floor with a very, very low table. The servants would serve the food from the center area between the tables. The host usually sat in the most honored place. The host sat near the door so that it was easy for him to give instructions to the servers as they came in and out. And in this depiction, you can see Jesus as the host. On the left, he's second from the end of the table. You can see him lifting his arm in a blessing. The Gospels tell us that John was seated at his right hand. So John is the one who is closest to us in this photograph. That is the place for the most honored guest. This is the place where he could lean back against Jesus during the meal when everyone was saying, Lord, is it I? And ask the question of Jesus, Lord, who is it? Judas is at the place of the second greatest honor on Jesus' left. Therefore, it was very easy for Jesus to offer to Judas the most select piece of meat and for them together to be able to dip into the dish of food. Now, this artist has put Peter as the person seated closest to us on the right-hand table. His theory is that when they came into the room, Peter decided to take the lowest place, the place of least honor at the table, remembering how Jesus had taught them about where to sit when they came into a dinner. For Jesus had told them,
when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, Jesus told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here, the artist is saying that, that not only did Peter take the lowest place, but after everyone had gathered for the meal, Jesus had left Peter. Peter in the place that he had chosen. But this also fits well into the story because the story tells us that as the disciples were asking, Lord, is it I? That, am I the one who's going to betray you? Peter motioned to John and said to him, ask the Lord who it is. And you can see that he's in a very good position there to, to be able to to say that to John. Well, let us continue reading the gospel story. So now we're picking up at verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And ever since that night, when the followers of Jesus gather to worship, they have very frequently celebrated Holy Communion. Every time it is celebrated, Christ gives himself to us his followers. Let's continue reading at verse 31. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. 
Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he turned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying, the same thing. So Jesus and the disciples left the upper room at the conclusion of their meal, walked down through the valley to, from Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives, and low on the Mount of Olives was a place called Gethsemane. Today it's a beautiful place. It's an olive grove, an olive orchard. The word Gethsemane means olive press. I want you to understand just a little bit of how they processed olives in those days. So this picture is of an olive mill. This one's been out in the rain, so it's filled with rainwater. But you can see the groove, and into that, that groove, that track, where the large stone rolled, they would, they would pile the olives that were gathered from the trees. You can see in the large millstone that there is a place for, for a log to be inserted. And uh, an animal, usually a donkey or an ox, would be attached to the log and 
the animal would be led around in the circle, walking around the millstones, pulling that rolling stone over the olives and then crushing them. After the olives were crushed, they were put in uh, generally in something like a burlap bag and they were stacked and you can see the place where they were stacked in this photograph. And uh, so they were set there. You can see the groove where the olive oil as it was pressed out of the olives would run and into the vat where it was captured. The tall pillar or the, t the taller stone, square stone behind it is the Gethsemane, the olive press. For on top of the stack of sacks of olives, this would be placed and the weight of the stone would, would uh, squeeze the oil out of the olives. Gethsemane denotes a place of pressure. But under the pressure, something wonderful comes. So Jesus was beneath the rock of pressure at Gethsemane. The thought of what was about to occur. He did know. He had told the disciples many times for days and weeks leading up to this very moment, he had told them what was going to happen. He knew. And as he thought about the torture, the, the horror of what was about to happen, he prayed that it could be removed from him. He was in agony as he thought about the coming ordeal. So at first he began to pray with the three disciples, but then the agony was so great he needed to be by himself. And this last photograph is a photograph of the rock where it is, it is traditionally believed that Jesus fell to pray his prayer. The important part of the prayer, the thing that we should take note of as we follow Jesus is, is the phrase, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus trusted the Father. He knew what was coming. He did not desire such horrors, but he was confident in the Father's wisdom. He was confident in the Father's love. He was confident that the Father could be trusted. And so he was willing to go through anything so that the Father's will could be done. Are we? Or are we more like those Israelites freed from Egypt 
who have seen the marvelous miracles, how God delivered them through the, the ten plagues, how God led them through the sea to deliver them from the, the army that was pursuing them. And yet they still complained and said, God is not faithful. We're hungry out here in the desert. He won't provide. They had seen God provide water. But instead of believing and trusting him, at the moment of becoming hungry, instead they began to complain. The scripture we read said God was furious. But he loved them and had mercy and sent the manna for them. Jesus was confident that his heavenly father, regardless of what kind of ordeal he had to suffer, that his heavenly father would be faithful to him and deliver him. So he prayed, yet not as I will, but as you will. He trusted him and walked into what was to come with confidence, calm, and even peace. So let us continue to read the story. We are picking up at verse 45. Then Jesus returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to that crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? 
Every day I was in the temple courts. I was teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is the gospel of the Lord. I want you to see clearly Jesus' humility, his trust in the Father. And on this night and tomorrow, as we, as we remember what Christ did for us, let us come to these stories with humility and with gratitude. Let us prepare to remember his death for us, his great, great suffering on our behalf. And when we consider the things taking place in our lives, some of which we complain about, some which are indeed true suffering, like our master, let us trust the Father. Yes, when Jesus was arrested, it was only the beginning of the suffering. The suffering as the hours went by was going to become greater and greater and more horrific until the hour he died. But even that was not the end of the story. For on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And your present discomfort, any suffering that you must endure in this life, it is not the end. For to all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives eternal everlasting life. So let us always, as our Master did, pray, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Let us pray together. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy to us. We have no idea what that night and the following day was like for you. But we know it was terrible and that your suffering was great. And yet for us and for our salvation, for the will of your Father, you trusted you did not fight back. You did not even defend yourself. But you went to the cross for us so that we could be reconciled to God. 
and could become children of God. So we begin this time of your passion with grateful hearts and we worship you. We pledge our lives to you. You, our Redeemer and Savior. <laughs>